You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we provide remote support to churches around the country. Learn more at myxp.church. I mean, I don't know how to help you more than have it you written right in front of I your face. I feel like you changed it a little bit. I didn't touch it. You wrote the sentence. I know, but I don't say it that way. That's where well, I Well, then why up. did you write? Th- this is Here's something that's fascinating about yeah. you. Let's talk about this. Huh? Occasionally, when you're sending an important email, yeah. usually you call me in yeah. to read it because because you are, I don't know what the technical word would be, illiterate, sort of? I Honestly, I <laughs> Dyslexic a little I, yeah, bit, maybe? I'm a little, okay, dyslexic, little dyslexic, for sure. But what's interesting to me is I will always ask you, because this is what you know yeah. they train you to do did when you're you writing, did you read I it did. out loud? That's fascinating to mm-hmm. me, because it usually is missing entire words, or they're jumbled in an order that makes no sense. So even when you read it out loud, you don't hear that you're no, missing words? No, I hear the end, like... I'm not exact. It's the same thing here. I'm not exactly reading it, and that uh-huh. maybe that's what happened when I typed it. <laughs> I am thinking uh-huh. what I intended it to say, and that's what I'm reading. Okay. <laughs> Versus like reading the words. Anyhow. Wow. <laughs> All Off right. To a strong start. Strong start. So uh, before we get into our real mm-hmm. conversation for today, let's start on the light front. Okay. Okay. Go w- for it. What is a movie that scared you for life? Um, oddly enough, it's a movie I haven't actually seen more than bits and pieces, Okay, but it's based on how my sister regaled the tales uh-huh. and then regularly being in a setting with this option, uh-huh. but it's children of the corn. I've hmm. never seen it. Yeah. She told me it was frightening. I saw like bits and pieces as she was watching it with friends. I'd yeah. like poke my head in and then she'd scream at me to get out. Yeah. But like we always grew up with like corn. I lived in South Dakota. There were a lot of like corn fields, mm-hmm. like visit a friend and you know, you play like tag in the cornfield mm-hmm. and on their own, they're pretty sketch. Like, oh, they totally they are. They just disappear. I mean, there's so many like science fiction movies and stuff right. that takes place with like, I don't know what Fields it is. Yeah. That's yeah. just kind of creepy. Are it's, you afraid of corn? No, no. Oh, okay. Cause you said in that you were like, I grew up around corn and it made it, it's, I wasn't sure if like corn as a no. food was triggering no, no, to no. you like, in addition to the corn. Growing field. corn. Okay. No. Yeah. You, you don't go out around just like cans of corn. <laughs> I don't know what, what a you weird grew thing. up around. <laughs> I, I grew up in South Dakota. I said, all right. Around a corn paying, field. Like, yeah. 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 And that's fair. That's scary. And, and we would like play tag in it and stuff. What was that other? There, there's the uh, M Night Shyamalan. Isn't that one? Have the, oh, isn't the that village? the Mel Gibson? Yeah, no, that's got a cornfield. None of those things are scary. I think just I weird. think Field of Dreams is kind of creepy, where the dead baseball players yeah. just walk out of the cornfield. Just a lot of corn things. Cornfields are creepy. Yeah. So anyway, that's never gonna watch it because it already scares. That's a good me. one. Mine would be when uh, I think I was 22. Mm-hmm. I went in the middle of the day, I think on a Saturday with our friend Zach, uh-huh. and I saw The Ring. Oh, yeah. And I still haven't seen that. 
where, but you've seen like the trailer, you know, oh, where yeah. she like the long just, hair comes mm-hmm. up out of the well. I don't like little girl ghosts. Mm-hmm. Little kids in general mm-hmm. just nah. are kind of like. But little girls in particular. Oh, it's little. Yeah. So you're yeah. kind of like misogynistic about your, your ghost My scare. Ghost, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> but it, it's, it's not the sexist reverse in real life, just about ghosts. Because I'm saying they're extra scary, oh, which they would be trying to which do. Which is kind of your intent when but you're But they're a probably ghost. getting paid about 60 cents on the dollar. <laughs> You're right. It's just unfair. <laughs> yeah, but we saw, so we both, we watched that together. And then I remember the movie theater uh, in Lake Zurich where we were living was, you know, in the the Starbucks that we all used to work mm-hmm. at. It was in the parking lot. Tammy was still working there. And we were so scared afterwards. We were afraid to go home. Grown, like, 22-year-old men. Mm-hmm. And we went and hung out at Starbucks in the middle of the day because we were so creeped out by wow. that movie. And then Have they you watched made, it again? No. Mm. No, I, w- I won't watch it again. No. I have no desire. The first time was scary enough. Mm-hmm. That and then uh, as a little kid, The Wizard of Oz scared the actual hell out of me. Ooh. Did it scare you as a kid? No. Uh, the witch did, yeah. 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 I was pretty, fr- I, I, rem- I distinctly remember, I mean, I was probably like six. Mm-hmm. Seeing it for the first time and I slept on my parents' floor. I was that scared. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh. One for me was like, like maybe somewhere 10 through 12, uh-huh. it was like stars free weekend, you mm-hmm. know, back when that was oh, a thing. Yeah. And I watched fallen with Denzel Washington and like, mm. see a the, fallen angel. No. Well, maybe I'm remembering the wrong movie. No, I, there's something where somebody like is possessed and then they're on the electric chair and somebody touches them. And anyway, this demon passes from like person to person, with like just being bumped into or that's whatever. That's not the devil's advocate with Keanu. No, that's not it. Okay. Um, I do remember what you're I, talking about though. I didn't let anyone touch me for a very long time. <laughs> I was very concerned about getting possessed and by touch. Well, just in general, uh-huh. and I didn't want to open any of the venues. Yep, that's so, good. Keep know. those doors closed. That's right. It seems like it. <laughs> no Ouija boards, no tarot <laughs> no, cards. Oh, man, no Ouija boards. If, you're, if you were an evangelical kid that grew up in the late, late 80s, early 90s, you're mm-hmm. not fooling around with any of that stuff. Oh, no way. They made too many movies to scare us to death. Way too many. Side note, here's just a little, this is for free. Yeah. Nothing to do with what we're talking about. Oh, good. But a little bit. The one time in my life mm-hmm. I got detention, mm-hmm. uh, it was grade school, mm-hmm. and a bunch of the kids were around the side of the playground, and they had brought a Ouija board, and they were playing it. This and is public I, school? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, public school. And I was over there, like, quoting Bible verses at them. Yeah, that sounds right. That and, sounds on brand for Oh, yeah. For Wearing my Christian Kravitz. t-shirt. Yep. Like, have you considered the Lord lately yep. with, like, Jesus and the Ford symbol? Yep. And uh, I actually think. It was probably that I owned that shirt. That's not yeah. just like a fun joke. I literally owned that shirt. Yeah. And, and I many think others. I was wearing it that day. And uh, yeah. And I got in trouble because I was like out of the view of the playground monitor. Mm-hmm. But I even remember back then like arguing with the principal like, but they walk around. How can everyone be in view all the time? <laughs> like it just didn't make sense. It's a huge playground. So you got in trouble. Did the kids get in trouble? Yeah, we all got detention. Oh, you all got it. Okay. Because we were out of view. It had nothing to do with the Ouija board. Yeah. Um, so you got it for being out of view, not for dancing with the devil. Right. Well, yeah. I didn't dance with the devil. I was. You were fighting the good setting fight. Setting the devil back. <laughs> back to where he came from. <laughs> <laughs> There is an amazing uh, amount of real broken theology taking place in this. Man. So we're going to move well, along. Was like, it was uh, third grade, yeah. so whatever age that is. Yeah. 
12, impressive. Anyway. All right, so we're talking about burnout. <laughs> On to happier subjects. <laughs> so each week, uh, you know, just to, I guess to kind of reset this up in case anyone's joining us for the first time, we read just another article this week uh, mm. that was in, what was it, the Washington Post maybe, about burnout amongst no, clergy. No, Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. So burnout amongst clergy. Um, it this one was primarily focused, interestingly enough, on the Catholic Church. Catholic Lutheran, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a shocking number of Catholic Lutheran, uh, like mainline denomination yeah. burnout taking place. Oh yeah. So it's not just even in. I mean, we we know anecdotally friends, actual relationships, people have burned out. We've experienced our own totally. burnout, but there is a really, really serious epidemic of this happening. And well, so, and in this article, I mean, they were talking about in Buffalo, they are beta testing one priest being responsible for six churches right? Um, because they have so few. Yeah, which is crazy. crazy. I know. I can't imagine being responsible for... Oh my gosh! I don't even. Yeah, I don't even know how you do that. Unless that each terrible. church had one person, yeah, and then maybe like consolidate, <laughs> you know. So what we're doing is we're we're looking at this burnout is not the result of one thing. Mm-mm. It's it's this. Um, a bunch of different factors that have kind of come together. I think it can be different things even for different people. So we're yeah. each week, we're just looking at one potential factor. And I think if I can just real quick, yeah. I think that's a really important call out mm-hmm. that like should just be like paused on for a second because Which what one? happens, just the idea that burnout is not from one specific oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. The problem is it does sort of creep up on you. Like mm-hmm. you feel like you feel like you're kind of getting more tired and then all of a sudden something happens one day and you break. Yeah. And it's very hard not to mentally, you know, emotionally all of that connect it to that one conversation, that one mm-hmm. event. And really in most cases it's just the straw that broke the camel's back, so right. to speak. But I think that that's a really because that's even something I've had a hard time not doing. And I think the other thing that's hard once you know a person or a situation has caused that kind of like breaking breaking point, point mm-hmm. is to not sort of project all of those feelings on them and their behavior. Yeah, them or that one thing or yeah, yeah, all yeah, that yeah. stuff. Anyway. Yeah, that's really good. <clears throat> so we're looking at a different factor every week, and uh, and then trying to talk about how how we've gotten there, and then just some better ways forward basically. Okay. okay? So today I think what we're going to talk about is the reality that many of us are feeling a feeling the strain of what I guess I would describe as a less than quote unquote thriving relationship with God. Okay. Which sounds like a real like ministry leader should be talking about that. And oftentimes in my experience, it doesn't come up. Right. It's a lot of other things. Totally. And and I really do think that this is a is a significant reality and I would I would say that there's a number of experiences over the last few years that have been the source of some strain on that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um and so we're going to we're going to get into a few of these, but when you think about your relationship with God over the last mm-hmm. couple of years, circumstance like when you look at ex like other circumstances that have caused there to be strain in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Like what, what comes to mind for you? Like just what is it, what, have, what has your relationship with God been like over the last couple of years? That's a better way to start. Yeah. I mean, I think it's been pretty challenged. Um, I, I know I've shared on this podcast before, but it was really hard to feel, especially through like 
the thick of everything going on, all the mm-hmm. quarantine, like it just sort of like, I think I, I termed it as it felt like God was on a break, mm-hmm. you know, like he had his 10 and then it just stretched on. It was supposed you know, to be three weeks. You've heard Macklemore's new song, uh, next year. Have you heard that? Sure. No, it's the premise is next year is going to be better than this year, uh. but he has a line in the first verse that says that 2020 felt like God group texted the world and dumped us. <laughs> Yeah, and, just, and I was yeah. like, "That's fair. That's it how just, it feels." It just felt like a lot, and mm-hmm. I think even as it went on, as we've had an opportunity to take a look at what's happened in our church, in uh, the churches we support through mm-hmm. MyXP, and you know, churches across the country, that article, all of that, it just feels like, "Come on now," mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. like it, it has struggled for me to not feel like something other than God is winning mm-hmm. because it's been so hard to see. How is this good at all? I, you know, even even in things like my sister passing away, that's mm-hmm. very challenging. But there's some of those things that you just have to try. And this is like not just one sister. This is millions of people dead. Mm-hmm. And, so you know, I mean, you know, church is a fraction of what they used to. Uh, just so many things. Mm-hmm. And you just wonder still like what. And so I think as a result, when you have those kind of questions and, and that kind of thing, and there's not much resolution. There's not, you know, I've always uh, really um, been so grateful in my life for uh, even through really difficult seasons. It feels like God has always given me just a tiny glimpse Mm -hmm. of like, it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And there is not, I mean, Mm -hmm. she's shady or foggy. I mean, it just is not, there's no glimpse. Yeah. No, that so, so your big question, like if you were to hang a question on it has been like, God, where are you? Yeah. Like, come on back. Yeah. (laughs) Break over. Yeah. Yeah. We need you. Yeah. yeah. The line's out the door. Get on the bar. We got to make some drinks. Yeah. Yeah. I'll always work for Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, like let's talking a little bit as we talked about this this week yeah. and I was thinking through like, why is it that, that we have gotten to, that so many ministry leaders have gotten to the place where they are yeah. in, in feeling maybe a real sense of dryness or whatever. Yeah. Strain relationships, not thriving couple of different things came to mind for me. The first is <clears throat> I I would I would bet that there are in some of these cases that if we were to really track back and look there wasn't much relationship there in the first place. Sure. I I I think more and more, more and more I see this as a as a significant issue in the church at large mm. that we have taken um quote unquote, we call it relationship with God. But what we really mean by that is a set of beliefs that we hold to, Mm -hmm. that we aren't really relating with God. Like if you think about what what a relationship really demands is communication, that so in our relationship, our friendship, um, I communicate with you. You com- communicate with me. Apart mm-hmm. from that, yeah. apart from time, apart from communication, there is no relationship. It's mm-hmm. impossible. And I am finding more and more that even people who have who have uh, been people of faith who grew up in the church for years and years, like for so long that really are not familiar with God communicating with them mm-hmm. and don't have much of a real prayer life outside of the, like, I pray my list every day and that yeah. kind of stuff. And truthfully, I, for a number of years, that's really where I was at. Mm. Like, that's how I felt. Sure. And and so I think what I, – I, I'm, I'm real curious as to whether or not – I don't know for sure, but I'm, I am unconvinced that COVID created a bunch of problems. I think that COVID exposed – 
Like if you had a crack mm-hmm. in an area of your life, COVID turned it into a canyon. Yeah. So if you had, if your relationship with God like wasn't awesome on the front end, sure, you didn't really have a practice of really knowing how to sit with him and sure. be aware of like, then I would say that that probably just got exponentially harder through the last couple of years. Well, and I think that the average person, including pastors, interact with their relationship with God a little bit like FEMA. You know, it's there in case of emergency and, Mm -hmm. you know, you have something to go to and all of that. The problem is no one saw this coming. So it's Mm -hmm. not like you could store up. As a matter of fact, um, we in Utah, uh, I know everybody did the hoarding thing in Utah. We by far, far exceeded any other state. Some of them put together. Part of it is uh, the predominant religious group here in Utah. Uh, They're instructed to keep a year's worth of food Mm -hmm. uh, in their cold storage, like your new home has cold storage. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure most of our listeners and, don't even know what that is. And then when you have 27 kids, like <laughs> right. a lot of LDS families, right. then you got to have like, that's a lot of toilet paper. But the point being, I heard I heard a, a news reporter and they were just speculating and as am I. So I don't know that this is for sure the case, but it's just one of those things where you've got that like, you're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone starts out good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you buy a house with cold storage, you fill it up, and then you start using on it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, got like maybe a month or, you know, you don't mm-hmm. have this or that. And I think what happened was, you know, and part of what they're preparing for is, you know, end of the world type mm-hmm. situations. And I think that what happened was COVID hit and it was like, <gasps> Mm-hmm. It, this is it. It's it. Yeah. And so they ran. And I think that that's part of what happened is so even if you had some resemblance of a relationship with God going into it, I think the challenging part was, you know, your well might have been almost dry. Yeah. And you were going into a few year drought. Yep. And that's just not a good plan. Your cold storage was totally empty. Right. And I think it's worth pointing out that there are, there are, and I've been guilty of this, uh, so I say this not from a place of judgment, but but a place of experience and empathy. It is very common within ministry that <clears throat> for ministry leaders to approach their vocation, their job, yep. in the exact same way a person in any business or organization does, the difference is we 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 do God's work, quote unquote. Yep. And by that I mean it isn't necessarily. Not, I don't know how many of ministry leaders are really trained to allow their ministry to be the overflow of their relationship with God, right. the right. outpouring of that. And so as a result, when it comes to like the tyranny of the urgent, we prioritize doing the work of ministry over really being with God and allowing the work of ministry to flow from that place. Sure. So to use your analogy, like that's why the well's empty. Right. Because <laughs> you're just constantly, you know, you're not really doing what is necessary to replenish that well, which is, I would argue, really having a deep, rich, growing relationship with God. Sure. And I think that the the cha- one of the challenges at least for me especially being, you know, the details and the behind the scenes guy and all of that kind of stuff is that all of the place prior to being in vocational ministry, all of the places that I would interact with and and have my relationship with God enriched were places that maybe I served some, but they were just like really tank filling. Mm-hmm. And then it, it becomes your vocation and you're at work. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, I have a, a whole host of responsibilities on Sunday, that kind of thing. I mean, I've been in vocational ministry now for close to 15 years. And I think that I am, uh, one of the reasons I'm on the sabbatical is to rethink how do I just, how do I attend church? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't even know how to attend some like 
person that I don't know's church. It's not like mm-hmm. just our church. It's I go to their church and think, well, they should be doing this mm-hmm. and they should have that there. And why isn't there enough paper towels in the restroom? Why didn't anyone? Th- I mean, the the number of you know brrr, mm-hmm. things that are going through my head mm-hmm. and. and and it's challenging because on one end, you know, people are, you know, tithing and sacrificing so that you can get a paycheck and therefore you have a job and responsibilities. And so finding those spaces and really creating that kind of vibrant relationship and ability to connect and grow and all of mm-hmm. those kind of, it's just, it's complicated. Turning turning ministry into a vocation, um, it's f- for sure like it's obviously not a sin or anything like that. Yeah. But I would say it is a tr- it poses a tremendous threat totally. to one's relationship yep. with God yeah. because you have turned to your point, you have turned what is meant to be a vibrant healing relationship into a vocation and a job. Sure. And if you don't figure out how to steward that well, it can absolutely destroy you. Yeah. Definitely. So, yep. so I would say first is there, there is a possibility there wasn't much relationship there in the first place. I think another one that is really common is that personal trauma that you, and, and I would say as a, as a, as a world, we experienced a global trauma. Yeah. Not to mention like all of us lost people lost friends lost relationships mm. like experienced all kinds of things Canceled like vacations. yeah micro I mean, things like like oh, small yeah. thing comparatively small yeah. things like you know the disappointment of trips being yeah. canceled and graduations not happening and weddings having to be moved back I mean, it was and, just grieving whatever yeah. reason you are grieving you know someone can lose a pet yeah and i i'm not an animal guy so i can't resonate with that but i can recognize like if you guys lost the family pet mm-hmm. that's going to be a dark day. Yeah, it is. And so my point is that I think a lot of the personal trauma mm-hmm. that ministry leaders were experiencing was not attended to well right. throughout. Sure. So, you know, I think you're absolutely right. It's been two years. If if stewarded appropriately, one of the things that has been fatiguing is it's been like two years of right. having to grieve. Mm-hmm. My point is, I think a lot of us have not been doing the work of grieving. Sure. And so what we've been doing the work of is helping everybody else be okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you like whether or not you've been like processing grief. Well, well, I still think we've all been like, uh, I mean, feeling overwhelmed the effects with of grief. it. Yes, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that it doesn't, you know, whether you know someone who died of COVID or not, like it, it's been this, like everyone has felt some of their worst days, mm-hmm. like collectively for whatever reason that yeah. is. And I think that, uh, I guess my point is just like, even if you haven't been through that, you're still, you've gone through the grief. There are things that have been horribly disappointing. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that, you know, you've talked about in a number of sermons, one of the things yep. we've used it as, as an example is if you think about when you're on an airplane, mm-hmm. they always talk about if the oxygen masks come down, the line is always, please, uh, you know, make sure that your mask is firmly in place before assisting others. And, you know, they're mentioning your children and that kind of thing. And I think that that's what's happened is as pastors, I, you know, I think we talked about this early on, but as pastors, uh, I don't think very many people referred to ministry workers as frontline workers. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not uh, diminishing the job that those that were like dealing with it, helping people die, all, Nurses, you know, doctor, doctors, all any that, of that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just here to say, having uh, experienced it myself and having watched many pastors do it, mm-hmm. they were on the front lines to a lot of that as well. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I would say, 
you don't have to acknowledge a trauma in order to be traumatized mm-hmm. by it. Like mm-hmm. we have it, like whether or not you are willing or have the awareness around the fact that you have experienced a trauma does not mean that you have not experienced it. Right. And so I, I think oftentimes we are not well equipped to know how to, like, I, I mean, I would say, I, I don't think that I had any amount of equipping for how to grieve that over the last couple of years, that has been something that I'm trying to learn how to Mm -hmm. do. We also oftentimes don't know how to incorporate these difficult traumatic experiences that we have into our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. We kind of have what I always joke is like, we just have this happy clappy mentality, which is like, well, God's good. So everything's good all the time. And that is not true. And it's not biblical. Even just this morning, I was reading Psalm 6, which uh, is a prayer of David for uh, mercy. And he says in verses 6 and 7, I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My eyes are swollen from grief. They grow old because of all my enemies. And then he goes on and says, the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea for help. But one of the things that the Psalms are so instructive to us on is helping us understand that God invites us to bring our hurt, our wounds, which, which requires being attentive to them. And then really like coming to him and talking to him about that and processing that with him and pouring that out on him. And, uh, and I just think that that in my, my life, most of my life, I have been resistant to want to even feel those things. Sure. So I sure as hell wasn't talking to God about it because sure. I wasn't even feeling it in my own life. But, um, but I do think that not attending to that along the way and only keeping everybody okay, that is like, if, if all we had to do was flatten the curve for two weeks, mm. that would have been like a strategy that worked. That. Yeah. Two years mm-hmm. with you know, now we're in an endemic, which I know you're still struggling mm, let's with. Let's talk about that. Um, but that is just, that's not going to work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the last thing I would say that at least comes to mind for me in, in like what has been difficult is that there are still some of us in ministry that don't have real experience with suffering mm. or in the sense of like, we don't have a category for, what's a better way to say this? Whether or not we adhere to, like, admittedly adhere to prosperity theology, mm-hmm. the notion that if we do good, if we have faith, if we pray, that God is obligated to, like, keep us healthy, wealthy, and comfortable. Sure. Whether or not we actually ascribe to that as a theological category, mm-hmm. functionally, it is the way many of us live. Sure. That, that, all, that suffering always means that something is wrong or that we have done something wrong or that we're being punished or that God is absent or, you know, all those things. And the truth is like, we live in a broken world and broken stuff happens. And it doesn't mean that God is not present and that God is not at work. There is a humility necessary to acknowledge that sometimes God's just doing things we don't understand. And I just think we still, I really still struggle with that, even though that is so arrogant. Sure. But I do really struggle with that. Yeah. And I think if you look at, uh, I was talking to someone, it might have been you, uh, but somebody recently just about um, like pre-COVID, the world 
I mean, you know, it was broken and everything, but like life was pretty good. Things were going good. The market was good. The rates were low. I mean, there mm-hmm. were just a lot of things that it just seemed like we were sort of in this like golden type era that everyone was, you know, like good. And, and I think it's again, you know, going back to my example of a lot of times we treat a relationship with God like FEMA. Mm-hmm. I think people just neglected it because it just didn't feel like you needed to. Because again, most people are interacting with God, like, Hey God, save me, help me. And I think, you know, even your example with David and the Psalms, I've been reading through them for a while. I just do one a day and I'm reading through them. uh, Or I like read it and then listen to the dwell app, which Mm -hmm. is delightful. Yeah. And they could sponsor us too. I don't know. Uh, But uh, so I listen to it that way and read it and I do it in the message. Mm -hmm. And I mean, like, you know, when you think of Psalms right away, comes like, the Lord is my shepherd and this and that. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot in between there of Mm -hmm. him really just kind of, I mean, it's almost like why, you know, some, especially Mm because I'm doing them each day, you just feel like, come on, dude, you gotta, you gotta get it together. In our teaching, (laughs) in our teaching lab on Sunday, I was working with our group. I think we were working through Psalm 142. I think it's Psalm, it's 141. I think it's 142 where David is in a cave because uh, he's being pursued by, um, I believe, Saul. Okay. And there, there's just a couple lines in there where you're just like, oh, God, he just sounds so whiny. Right. And, but, like, but we all feel that. Sure. Like, yeah. how, many, how, how many times did we send, like, I, I would not want to read on this podcast many of the texts that we sent over the last two years. <laughs> nah. Not even because of the profanity that was sure. probably uh-huh. present uh-huh. in them, but because some of them just sounded so whiny. Yeah. You know what I mean? destitute. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say, like, I think uh, pre-COVID, it was one of those things, you know, you think about uh, Paul and, you know, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. And mm-hmm. I think... You know, people talk about it all the time. It's hard to envision, like, how amazing heaven will be. We just break down. It's one. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the reason that C.S. Lewis wrote the screw tape letters is because he could better understand, like, a demon <clears throat> trying to, like, yeah. be divisive than an angel trying to be perfect. Yeah. And so I've always struggled with that and just feel like, I want to live a good, healthy life. I have more now adopted the, like, I'm ready. Yeah. I, I, I'm not, like, <laughs> inviting it. But yeah. even the other day, my little brother was in town, and I went to cross the street, and he's like, like, he's like, Ty, look both ways. And, you know, he also had his daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see both ways, but my response was, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to run out there, but yeah. if somebody comes bailing, yeah. barreling around the corner, let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about, we've talked a little bit about some reasons why, you know, we might be in this place. Let's, let's talk about some better ways forward. Cool. First thing I'd say is, as a principle, awareness. So maybe even as you listen to this, yeah. your awareness around like, maybe maybe my relationship with God's not great right sure. now. Maybe you've been in denial. Yeah. Because you feel like a pastor can't You can't admit it. That way. Or you've been running so hard, so fast for so long that you've just really neglected it. Sure. And so I would like if that if that awareness is rising in you even now I would say awareness is always grace. And yeah. I've been thinking about this phrase today. It's an uncomfortable grace a lot mm. of the time because as we become and that those two things like when we hear the word grace we hear gift and yeah. we think like uh, it's soothing. You know, sure. there's something about I mean even in terms of our salvation, it's healing and it provides us with wholeness and secures eternity. And but oftentimes grace is is uncomfortable. And 
I, w- I would say like the reason that awareness is always grace is mm-hmm. that you can't seek healing in an area or you won't seek healing in an area you don't know is sick. Mm. So, you know, if you find out, like I've, I've, I'm going to talk about this in my sermon on Sunday, but I've got a friend who this week that sh- they've been having some health issues. They mm. found out, like they finally got some clarity around what's going on. Yeah. So there's relief in knowing to some degree, here's what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. It's also sobering in the fact that it might be like a lifelong management issue. Sure. You have to deal with this your whole life, but it is still important to be aware because yeah, you can't totally. treat something that you're not aware of. And sure. so if right now you're feeling a resistance inside of you around, like, I don't even know if I want to think about this anymore. I don't want to listen to this anymore. I don't want to acknowledge this. Do not resist the awareness. Sure. Go ahead. You're going to add no, something to that? No, I was just going to say, I mean, or like, you know, you get diagnosed with stage one cancer. Mm-hmm. Well, it could have been four or five, mm-hmm. you know. Which right? at, which it will become if you ignore it right. at stage exactly. one. Exactly. <laughs> yep. So it's important to, regardless of where you're at in this whole, like if 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 the spirit of God is giving you awareness, embrace that as a gift. Mm. And, uh, and, and be able, because if you don't embrace it, you resist it. I was thinking about in Revelation, uh, is it Revelation 3? When uh, it's God's word to the church at Laodicea, which is that you're neither hot nor cold, mm. lukewarm, that whole thing, which I know gets misinterpreted all sure. the time. That part's not even my point. It's at the end when he says, I stand at the door and knock. Mm-hmm. Whoever hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will sit and eat with them and they with me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I was thinking today as I was working on my message, how, how I'm really not aware of a time in the gospels when Jesus forces himself on anyone. Sure. Like there's constant invitation to follow, constant yeah. invitation to turn from sin. Nope. But there's no time I'm aware of that Jesus forces someone to do anything. Yeah. And so what so much of our formation and growing health and our relationship with God is about um, the spirit of God making us aware of something and then us choosing to function in agreement with that. Totally. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we we God is making us aware right now. Like I I have maybe neglected or circumstances have taken a toll, and my relationship with God is not as healthy as I want it to be. Sure. So the choice, as you become aware, is: Am I going to open that door? Yeah. Because I hear Him knocking, or am I going to leave it closed and resist what He wants to do? Mm-hmm. And there is no healing in resistance. Right. Ever. Yeah. So, so yeah, I would say it's so important that we choose to, as we have this, been given this gift of grace, that we would embrace that grace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I would say is, is as you become aware of that, to begin a healing journey. Mm. And that can look like a, a lot of different things and, and probably will. Awareness is obviously the first step, mm-hmm. but I would say it might be if you have if you have not had an opportunity to process anything that has happened in the last couple of years, you need to get a therapist to be able to process that, a counselor to be able to process, at very least, a trusted, wise friend mm-hmm. that you can open up with about that. Yeah, I would say, um, especially as it pertains, since we're talking about relationship with God. Spiritual direction is huge for this. It's the whole point of spiritual direction is to help cultivate deeper relationship with God. But I think more than anything, not caring, not ignoring it, not carrying this alone and beginning to talk about this openly with others is just critical or it's going to end badly. Yeah. 
All right. Any closing thoughts? That's it. All nope. of a sudden, I was like, I have nothing more to say. Cool. That's the end. <laughs> Well, as always, thanks so much for uh, listening to this episode. And if you've enjoyed it, uh, you can help us in the following three ways. One, you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can leave us a review. And then we would also love to connect with you. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. You can also email me. That's Ryan at Ridgeline.Church. You can find me on the same platforms at at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>